Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show, but before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with our guest, Dan Stillman, who is a positive psychology practitioner, transformational mindset, and integrative medicine health coach. Dan, my friend, how are you? What is happening in your world today? Hey, how you doing, Michael? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak to your audience. So thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited, man. We connected a couple of months ago. I loved your story, your mission and your journey. And I felt that you'd be just an amazing person to come on and have a conversation today. And I'm excited to dive deep with you. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, your story, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. So it all started at a very young age for me, um, you know, dealing with trauma. Uh, you know, we're not in control of the situations that we're born into. And uh, I don't know, right, if we've know this before we come into this world if we choose it i guess we'll find out hopefully when we pass away or move on to the next realm but for me um i was uh at an early age um my parents got divorced when i was four um the reason why I, my parents got divorced was my mother came out of the closet back in 1974 my mother couldn't live the lie anymore that she was gay she felt this uh way her whole life and um you know, in the DSM, if you're familiar with psychology and the DSM book that they use to, uh, you know, put the the different, uh, you know, mental disorders in there, up until 1974, you were considered as having a mental illness if you were gay. Mm -hmm. So once they removed that from the book, my mother basically said, you know, I need to come out. I need to be my true authentic self, which is kind of an inspiration for me. And later on, I'll get into that, how she influenced me because she was a pioneer marching, you know, for, for gay rights. But as a result of that, um, I was an only child and my parents got divorced. Of course, I'm going through a divorce, being an only child, or just even if you have siblings is traumatic enough. But what's even more traumatic for me was I had three cousins, my mom's sister, who were like my brothers and sisters. And as a result of my mom coming out of the closet, they didn't want to have anything to do with us anymore. So they kind of just abandoned us. So that was kind of the first, you know, not that I understood what was going on, that shame kind of started for me at that particular time of that, you know, like the belief of what's wrong with me right? Which most people don't understand about the beliefs and how much they influence our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our results. And my mother, as a result of going through the traumatic experience that she went through of just not people understanding her and her sister, 
you know, was very abusive, physically abusive towards her, you know, we developed these patterns. And unfortunately, I was on the tail end of some physical abuse back then in the 70s. Spankings were considered normal, not not now, you know, DIFUS would be called. But, um, you know, as a result of, of that particular um you know, physical abuse that added to some of the feelings of, you know, what's wrong with me? I did something wrong, you know, developing those beliefs. Uh, there's something wrong with me. Why doesn't, why don't people like me? And then at the age of nine, my dad got, he was in my life for a while, but then he got remarried and I, I have a half, two half brothers and a stepbrother, but he decided to move to Florida. I live in New Jersey. So once again, that abandonment kind of hit again, you know, and I was raised in a predominantly, I had, was raised by two moms, really, because my mom met, met another lady who had two sons who were older than me, but I moved to their house in, in, in a neighborhood that was predominantly uh, blue collar Christian and I was Jewish. So I was kind of the only Jewish shortest kid basically in the neighborhood. And I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism as well. Like people would spit in my hair. I would basically get into fights. I think the only good thing that really came from that was that at the age of 13, I started lifting weights. Like I really started working out because I needed to protect myself. But little did I know that, you know, the, the outside job that I was doing, yes, was helping me, but the inside job was just, you know, the, the shame, the not loving myself, the wondering why things were happening the the way that they were happening, even though like I played little league and I played sports, there was always something missing in my heart. Like there was something missing. And, you know, my grandmother would always tell me that of all our grandchildren, like I was the most loving and I was very introspective. I always kind of, you know, had a soft heart for other people who were less fortunate. And during the times that I was going through these these feelings of anger and just, uh, you know, having bitterness and comparing other people, like being jealous of other people, you know, whenever I went through like a certain, I'd say this is like a saving grace for me because I could have very easily gone down the wrong path and got involved in drugs and alcohol and really went that way. Um, I always stayed the path of, I'm capable of so much more. And the reason why I bring that up and why that's like my, my token uh, slogan, I should say, is whenever I felt that I was like hitting a, a, a real bad spot in my life, I would always look in the mirror and tell myself, you're capable of so much more. So, you know, and, and it would pull me through. And I think that was, that was good for me. Uh, you know, normal kind of the, the, the teenage years, like I said, I was in wrestling, sports, uh, but I started to smoke pot. You know, I drank alcohol, you know, just like any other probably kid did in the 80s at that age. And um, but there was still always something missing. I can remember my friends like when I drank and uh, my friends would say to me like that, I would say to them, do you like me? Like I'd always ask people, do you like me? Right, <laughs> Because I just had this you know, from all of the experiences that I went through in my life of the abandonment and the hurt and the physical abuse, I just didn't, I didn't like myself. Therefore, I was just wondering if people were just being fake to me, right? So I kind of just grew up thinking like this and having a low self-esteem and not having confidence in my true ability, right? And when I graduated high school, 
I basically uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I took a year off and I worked in a mailroom at my mom's company for a year. And then my mom said, you got to do something with your life. This is 1989. So I went to school for computer repair and robotics and I got into IT work. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to continue my education. I'm going to join the Air Force. But little did I know, and most people don't know who have experienced trauma, they don't want to feel the pain, right? Mm -hmm. They dull it with alcohol and smoking pot. And at that particular time, I quit smoking pot, but I was drinking. I decided I was going to go into the Air Force. And that was like my geographical cure, right? Most mm. people don't know about the geographical cure. If you kind of get everybody out of your life, you could start anew and then your problems will go away. Well, that's not how it works. And um, so I went into the Air Force. I was 22 and I didn't make it through basic training because they said I had asthma. They gave me immunization shots. I had a cough. They gave me a breathing test. And because of Desert Storm, they had to ship so many people out because of breathing problems that they said I was disqualified. And that was my bottom. I came home and I hit bottom, like emotionally, physically. I got really depressed and I just got down on my hands and knees and I said, God, please help me. Whatever you could do, just please help me. I woke up the next day and I knew somebody uh, who was an Alcoholics Anonymous. And I went into, went and visited this person. And little did I know that my geographical cure was not in the Air Force, but my geographical cure was to work on myself and get away from what I was, was experiencing uh, at home, but moving into Alcoholics Anonymous and doing the 12-step program, going into therapy, and really that, and, and, find, and, and healing this trauma. So that's what I did from 1992 to 1996. I didn't hang out with my old friends. I made new friends in AA. I worked the steps, worked the program got sponsors, you know, men, right? Because I didn't have a man figure in my life for all that time. So there was something that was missing from a, a masculine perspective. And I had some tough love when I was in AA, when, uh, you know, one of the things that really stands out for me uh, when I think back at, at, you know, one of the lessons learned, I would always complain about, well, I'm so nice to this person. How come they don't like me? And one of the old timer, my sponsor would say to me, well, Dan, what makes you think everybody's going to like you anyway? Mm. <laughs> and it was like, hmm, you know, it was like an aha moment. But I needed that, right? Because I didn't have that male perspective. So, you know, going to Jewish family services and talking about the trauma. And I was very fortunate because going to therapy, working the steps and doing realizing that I wasn't an alcoholic, but I really needed that 12-step program, which I would recommend to anybody. You don't have to be an alcoholic to do a 12-step program. I don't know if you're familiar with the 12 steps, Michael, but you know they, they you clean house, right? You basically clean house and you have to take an honest look at yourself. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Just want to take a moment and invite you to be my guest at Think Unbroken Conference this November. That's right. Think Unbroken is hosting our Unbroken Con for free. It's five days of trauma transformation information with myself, special guests, and even some of the leading experts in trauma education from around the world. For five days, we're going to jump into what it means to actually take the steps to be unbroken. All you have to do is register for free at unbrokencon.com. That's U-N-B-R-O-K-E-N-C-O-N.com. That's right. Five days of trauma transformation information with me, special guests, and some of the world's leading trauma trained experts. 
for free for five days this November. More details to come, but in the meantime, go to unbrokencon.com to register. And I'll see you there. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll agree with that. And that's something that for me and my journey, I stepped into AA, NA, and SA over the course of this healing journey. And it was very much like in these moments of like, I, I'm not alcoholic. That's not what right. this is. That's, this is, I'm trying to hide the hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying yeah. to hide the pain, hide the suffering. And, and I think it's really interesting because sometimes I would sit in AA and I would look around and go, I don't, I don't think you're an alcoholic other person. I just think you need a fucking hug, man. <laughs> yeah. I know? agree with you, man. You know, it was because there's young kids in there and you're like, how could you be an alcoholic? Now, I'm not knocking on alcoholics and because course, there's some hardcore in NA. But for me and for you, obviously, you realize like, wow, this is there's some value to this. But, you know, I maybe need to go somewhere else to get what I need. I'll take what I need from this particular, you know, medium and appreciate what it's given me and be grateful. But, you know, That's then exactly life, what it was. life goes on. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going through those four years, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be able to confront my mother, to be able to confront my aunt and uncle and confront my dad to deal with the trauma, to say, why did you do the things that you did? Right. Mm -hmm. I healed the hurt with my mom. You know, she felt she obviously got help for herself, you know, went to therapy to deal with her things, realized that she was bipolar and got medication for that and apologized like how horrible it was for me that I had to experience that physical abuse. My aunt and uncle, you know, they said that basically they were just trying to protect their children. And I don't really have a relationship with them today uh, as a result of that, because it was just kind of like, okay, that was not really a good reason. I could understand the reason, but you kind of just left me <laughs> alone. right? And my father, you know, I went and one of my life experiences not having my father in my life, I decided to go live with my dad. Right. He lived in Florida. So in order to find the piece of me that was him or vice versa, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think you get the gist of what I'm trying to convey. I went and moved to Florida and it only took me three months to live with him in Florida to realize that I really didn't miss anything. Like I wouldn't have. He was a simple man. You know, he I kind of understood why he did the, what he did. Um, and. You know, I think what it all boils down to is forgiveness, right? Mm. And I think part of my healing journey really has been not only forgiving other people, but more importantly, forgiving myself, learning to love myself. When I was 22, I, when I went into AA, I wrote these things and copyrighted them. They're trademark called the nine ingredients of love. Their sincerity, courtesy, unselfishness, patience, tolerance, humility, good temper, generosity, and being guileless. And I hung those on my refrigerator and I read them every morning and every night, right? Besides doing other work, such as learning what self-centered fear was, either afraid I was going to lose what I have or not get what I want and needed. And what was the antidote to that? Learning to live in the moment. Learned about unrealistic expectations, like how unrealistic expectations played a big part in myself and how I placed them on other people, which led to a lot of disappointments because expectations could lead to disappointments. Yeah. And actually, I want to ask you a question about that, Dan, because I, I had a thought as you were mentioning that you went to confront your 
mother, your father, your aunt and uncle. And I feel like that actually ties into exactly what you were talking about, that people have these expectations of outcome. And especially in that moment, you're like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to tell them what's what they're going to change. They're going to, you know, I, I don't think that's realistic though. Like I don't, I think sometimes we can set those expectations and, and fail and or not fail. Maybe that's not the right word I want to use, but we can set those kind of expectations leading into it and then feel like the outcome was not favorable. Um, what I'm curious about, because I know a lot of people, and this was my experience and I thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. My, my mother died before I could confront her, mm-hmm. you know, through drug overdose. And, and I, I remember I, I kind of like took her out of my life and I said, you know what? I know that she cannot be in my life or I am not going to go down the path I need to go. Right. And, you know, years later, I mean, a decade removed from that, I had this thought. I was like, huh, I wonder what it would have been like to have that conversation. And, and so I'm curious for you, what prompted the want to go and have those confrontations and honestly, probably some very incredibly difficult conversations? I felt it was the only way that I was going to heal. Um, for me, I felt like I needed to know, you know, and, and it's individualized for each person. For me, it was for me to understand and heal. And, you know, we live in a society where, you know, right now, as you know, it's very divisive and one side takes one side and one side takes the other. And basically what is the root cause of that? We get hooked into one side of a story and we never gather the full facts and then make a decision, right? So in order for me to forgive myself and forgive the people who actually uh, I had to deal with, I need to understand why they did the things that they did. I needed to understand and hear their side of the story because then I would go through life maybe being judgmental of others. And part of my what I'm trying to do, you know, and what I teach my kids is to really try and practice the pause before you become be judgmental of others and try to ask questions and gather the facts because if you don't we have a way of making up stories that are just not real <laughs> we're great storytellers right and most of us don't know how to question our thoughts in real time so what i've learned in positive psychology and kind of deviating but you know we went this way is to learn real-time resilience skills and learn how to become your own cognitive-based therapist. And by doing that, by finding the evidence for and the evidence against a certain thought based on a thinking trap that you may be experiencing, such as mind reading or externalizing or personalizing or maximizing, minimizing, I think it's really important to put things in perspective and to understand where this is coming from and is there any validity to the information that you're thinking and what you're gathering. Yeah, that's actually such a great point. And I've never thought of the words real-time resiliency. That just really hit hard for me because I always try to make meaning in the present as opposed to the past. And I found that to be very beneficial in my life. Do you think that that is a tool that can help people navigate that space of feeling like massively unhappy and disconnected? There's probably a bunch of different components, but I did definitely a tool. I know it's for me, like, listen, I've, I'm a, I'm a survivor, just like you, Michael, of trauma, right? 
I have days where I have, uh, you know, I'm tired, I'm hungry, <laughs> I don't feel well, and something could trigger something that has affected something from a trauma thing because that neuro pathway is that is still there, right? But real time resilience skills is a tool, and it could definitely help if you have as many tools as you possibly can in your tool chest to help keep you sane and not spiral down the rabbit hole. Like I like to use uh, the term staying north of neutral, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at a pie chart and you look at a wheel of life and each piece of pie is a part of your life, such as relationships, career, whatever it is, spirituality. And for some reason at your job, something bad happens and you go from a seven down to a three. What do you do? You got to dig into your tools. And one of those tools is real time resilience skills to question the thoughts that you're having, because you may be thinking, oh, my boss is an asshole. <laughs> right? He just did. <laughs> yeah, right. It may be, but he just did this to me. But then instead, you got to think, well, maybe this person's having a bad day. Like, why did this happen? X, Y and Z. Like, like get fact based dead data, evidence for evidence against. It's like you're taking your brain to court. Right. And you have to use like real time resilience skills to say, hmm, what's really happening here? You yeah, know, I, I love that, Dan. I so I, I I say this to myself all the time. I do not trust my brain. Like, <laughs> when, like when you yeah. understand neuroscience, when you understand yeah. the impact of trauma and being in a cortisol state and what it's like to grow up in that and then to like navigate dissociation and then recognize behavioral patterns. And then you get into these things that are triggers and emotional scars. It's like your brain is not trustworthy, right? Until, and this was my experience, until I understood the research and the science and the yes. practical functions of the brain. Because ah. I, I, I realized something really important, and I'm gonna lead somewhere, and I, I wanna know your thoughts on this. For a long time, I felt like every time I listen to my brain, I get in trouble, right? <laughs> but every yeah. time I listen to my gut, I'm right. And I was thinking, I was coaching one of my clients recently. I said, how many times have you had this moment where you meet someone or you do something or you're in an interaction? You're like, that doesn't feel right. And then a month, six weeks, five days later, it doesn't matter. You go, damn it. I should have trusted my gut. Yeah. Do I, yeah. am I on the right path there? Oh, yeah. You have an intuitive thinking system, which is your gut feeling. And, you know, when you're making like some serious, there's a, di a difference between making a short term decision when you're going to the store and you got to purchase something off the shelf compared with like a decision that you that's really a hardcore decision that you have to make that may impact your life. It's always the good if you could sit on it and really kind of think about the decision and not rush into the decision. Right. Um, sometimes those things come quickly. It's your gut feeling. Like, for instance, just as an example, you probably uh, had this experience. You look at the weather report. They say it's going to rain. You look in the mirror. You're talking to yourself, brushing your teeth. Say, you know, I should take my my umbrella today. Right. And that's your gut telling you. And then your other voice comes into your head, which is metacognition because you're talking to yourself. Says, nah, you don't need the umbrella. That's your ego. What happens? You go outside. You don't bring the umbrella and you get rained on. You're like, I should have brought the umbrella. Right. So it, it's so true. It's like, you know, it depends on what kind of decision you're making. But I always try to listen to that first voice whenever I question mm -hmm. myself from when I say, nah, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that? Nah. That's when I got to say, practice the pause, Dan. Practice the pause. You know? Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> when when you I want to go back a little bit 
Mm-hmm. When, when you're in this pivot to start stepping into the path that you're on now, I'd love for you to kind of paint a little bit more of a picture that has led you down this pathway, because obviously you, you do a lot of really beautiful things around psychology and mindset, but particularly I want to talk about positive psychology. And so yeah. I'm curious, like what, what led you down this path and how has it impacted your life? Yeah. So, you know, listen, the journey of learning didn't stop when, you know, I, I explained the story when I was 22 till I was 26, you know, I I did wind up getting a divorce and I have two kids and I had to learn from that experience. And then I got in another 10 year relationship, which really helped me become a man because this person taught me how to not be a people pleaser. Again, you know, I'll, I'll remind your audience that I didn't have that father figure, right? Like, there is no playbook that's given to a man, you know, when he is uh, born, right? We were taught how to open up doors, how to do certain things, and but we're not taught how to express our feelings. So I still had to learn how to uh, become my true authentic self, how to be more vulnerable, not be a people pleaser, like how to interact with people, especially with uh, uh, someone from the opposite sex. And in that 10 year relationship, I learned how to be vulnerable and accept a strong woman into my life, how and ask and be able to ask for help. I learned how to express my needs and wants. I learned uh, a bunch of things in that relationship. Um, And one of the things that I could take away from, you know, that relationship is I got into yoga and meditation, which was like almost the last piece that I needed to learn. And I'm going into, you know, what the question that you asked me, because, you know, when I was and that relationship had ended, like people, I believe that people come in and out of your life for for reasons. I believe things happen for a reason. And, um, you know, when I was 48 years old, I was at a job for 11 years and I got laid off from that job. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm looking back at my life and I'm and all the things that we discussed in the story that I share. And I said, there's meaning to this. There's something that I should be doing, right? What is my true purpose? Now I've been very successful in it, but I'm like, there's something, I have a gift. What is my gift? And that's when I came up with the word Yomenga. Yomenga came into my mind. I was sitting on the couch meditating and the word Yomenga, which is the word men in between the word yoga. And that's where this journey started, basically, how I got into positive psychology, integrative medicine and all these things because I created, started to create this business, Yomenga. Uh, besides what I have, Holistic Wellcare Advisors and then I have HolisticWellcare.coach. So I have three things that that I'm working on. Um And I decided, I said, you know, I need to create a course because all these things that I learned that have helped me, if I would have known them between the ages of 21 and 29, I think that, and I'm talking about positive psychology principles, such as growth mindset, uh, real-time resilience skills, self-regulation, mind traps, how to become your own CBT therapist, how to express, how to understand that your neuroplasticity Uh, how your brain works, your limbic system, prefrontal cortex, all these wonderful things that positive psychology teaches you. I said, I need to I need to like create something that I could help people between the ages of 20 and 20 and 29, which those people are called bicenarians. uh, If you didn't know that I said, because if I create this course, um, these people are going to have a better head start than I did 
because, you know, I think when you turn 30, I think that's when those are your most important decision-making years. I think that's when you're deciding, do I want to get married? Do I want to have children? Where do I want to live? What career do I really want to get into? And I think if I would have had some of these skills back then, my I probably would have made much different decisions. So that was really the main reason. And, and also, well, that was, you know, the Get Real Deal and Heal course that I created that was part of Yomenga. But since that time, since 2018, when COVID hit, I had to pivot. And Yomenga has kind of gone in a different direction. And now, you know, this uh, Holistic Wellcare Advisors is what I do also as well. It's kind of gone in a different direction, but they all kind of tie back to each other. The thing that, you know, with the Omega thing, I just felt that, you know, back in 2018, when things were coming out, like Matt Lauer and a bunch of other people were getting in trouble for a lot of the things that they were doing, I said, you know, there's, I didn't like the word toxic masculinity. Um, I, I don't mind the word masculinity, but I'm kind of offended by the word toxic because I don't consider myself a toxic person. What I consider myself is an uneducated man. So when I, when I refer to, you know, uh, anything that has to do with teaching men how to become more spiritual, emotional, uh, physically better for themselves, it's, I like to call it uh, uneducated masculinity. So that's kind of how that started as well. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. Yeah, I, I actually relate to that a lot. I was on a, a podcast, a, a pretty big show recently, and I was having a conversation with the host. And I said, you know, I, I don't subscribe to this toxic masculinity idea because the truth is for so many of us, and I can only speak as a man, obviously, like you, I was raised by women. I never met my father. My stepfather was incredibly abusive. The men in my life and the other boys I were around, all we were doing was getting in trouble and breaking the law. Right. I had no measurement for what it meant to be a healthy and educated man. And so like many men, how did I learn? And, and look, and one of the things people need to understand is the, the statistics that three in six boys are raised by a single mother. Like. Yeah. And those statistics vary. I've seen it as high as four and five. I think that's probably too high, but I don't know. So, you know, you have to factor that in. And for a long time, this word toxic was going around. And I'm like, yeah, but there's never a conversation about toxic femininity or toxic this or that. And, I'm, and I've always thought that it was a bit odd. Now, of yeah. course, I recognize there are like, look, there are people who do fucking bad things. That's of the course. world. Like, that's yeah. how it exists. People did bad things to us. That's why we're even having this fucking conversation. Yeah. And, you know, to be pigeonholed because of poor decisions, I think, is a really dangerous and dogmatic game that we play because there's no questions asked. And I've admitted this and I will always own my truth. In my 20s, as a man, I was a fucking monster, period. Yeah. 
Yeah. Period. I didn't know. I and you don't know what you don't know. And it wasn't until I had a rock bottom moment and I was like, oh, maybe there's something different here. And that led me down this path of therapy, of coaching, of men's group therapy, of retreats and workshops and seminars and courses and all of the things that have led me to where I am. Like, I never felt toxic then. I just felt like I didn't understand. And, and you know, uh, there's people who are going to email me. I already know. They're going to be like, whatever. I'm just sharing my truth. And I don't align with that. And I don't think a lot of people do. And I, I love that you pointed out that you created something that you thought you would need. I mean, that's Think Unbroken. That's the entire crux of this. Because if I could redo my 20s with this information, assuming that I was ready to receive said information, my life would have been very, very different. But, you know, I, I think part of it is, you know, we don't really understand the brain science that can even lead to this place where we can have this conversation, Dan. And so I'd really love for you to kind of just high level hit us, talk about neuroplasticity, talk about triggers, talk about emotional scars, but most importantly, talk about re rewiring your brain. Yeah, that's a very interesting topic, you know, um, it's, it's, there's so many different mentors that I follow, uh, you know, like Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden and a few others that really talk about you know, uh, this neuroplasticity and the brain. And, you know, I, it was all new to me. I think it was like an aha moment for me when I, when I, when it was taught to me, like how, you know, you have this limbic system you know, which is the fight, flight, and freeze mechanism and how you have your prefrontal cortex and how they're attached and basically how the limbic system is your emotional side where you feel all these emotions, but your limbic, your, your prefrontal cortex is the logical, rational side and that you, we're the only species that has this neocortex that really has the ability to, to regulate, self-regulate our emotions. However, you know, We've developed a lot of habits, right, uh, over the years. And these things that I had mentioned when we first started the conversation, such as beliefs, such as I'm not good enough, what's wrong with me, I did something wrong, can be stored in our subconscious, right? We have a subconscious mind and we have a conscious mind. And basically, the, the beliefs that we hold um, with these, with, in, with neuroplasticity and the, the, you know, that, we have these basically a dendrite and an axion that has like these little electrical signals that fire in between, you know, these things that create a thought. So, for instance, like um, if you have a thought that or if you have this belief that I'm not good enough and then you you have this thought, uh, the belief that I'm not good enough and then the thought like, oh, I applied for this job and they don't want me, that I'm just a bad person. That's just reinforced. Right. That's just that 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 neuro that neuro the the you know you you know what i mean they, they just keeps firing the synapse there so what you need to do is is to create a new neural pathway and the only way to really do that is with deliberate practice right and the best way that i could kind of give you an example of this is if if you work at your job and you have to create a password to log into windows at your job Every 90 days or 30 days or whatever the security policy is, they basically tell you to change your password, right? So you go into work one day and you change your password. You get up, you go get a cup of coffee, come back. What do you do? You start typing in the old password again, right? And then you realize, whoa, I got to basically type in the new password. Well, here, I'll just give you an example. Like 
this is the, the neural pathway that you created for that, that old password. And this is the new neural pathway that you created for the new password. With deliberate practice, each day that you come in and type the new password, the, the synapse there that, you know, between the axion and the dendrite starts to get close, you know, starts to close more and the old one starts to separate. And basically that's how a new thought, a new habit is basically created. So it's deliberate practice and, and we all, we're like 60% habits. So, you know, if you want to kind of like change something in your life, you have to just kind of do repetition, repetition, repetition to change it, to build up that new neural pathway. And that takes time, but you know, it could take a short time. It depends on, you know, how big of an experience it is and how impactful it is. Some people change right away, but over time, like when I had to learn to love myself and I gave you that example of when I created the nine ingredients of love, how I read them morning and night, you know, it took probably like, five months before I was able to actually move that from my head to my heart. So really, I hope that I gave a good example of how that, how that uh, happens where you build a, a, a new habit. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. And as you were saying that I remembered, I used to work for a fortune 10 company. We had to change our passwords every 45 days and it used to drive me freaking crazy. <laughs> Like I got that just, I, I, I'm now triggered in the middle of this conversation, very pissed <laughs> off at that company. Um, but you're, you're spot on. And, you know, I, I think about this, you know, I I've mentioned on the show many times, like I used to be a two pack a day smoker for a very long time, which is a very stupid thing to do. And, and I quit smoking a thousand times. Right. But it was this repetitive process of, can I create a space of time between cigarette to cigarette, to cigarette, to cigarette. And like, 30 minutes became 40 minutes, became an hour, became three hours, became one day, became three days, became a year, became now a decade later, right? Um, and and so a lot of that is really about changing that. And that's a behavioral habit too. You, you see so many research studies point to addiction isn't even about the necessarily the substance as it is the behavior around the substance, right? That's why you see people who, you know, they one of the things that they will do is, especially smoking is an easy one because we're talking about it, but it's a mouth thing. It's a behavior of this, the back and forth of in conversation at the bar. And so if you can just change that, maybe use a, a toothpick or a straw or chewing gum, it changes the behavior, thus making those synapse connections and creating the behavioral change. Um, one of the things that I think people particularly struggle with, and, and this was my struggle as well, was in this space of honesty. Like as I'm sitting here with you, Dan, I'm like, oh, we're having a very real, raw, honest conversation. <laughs> yeah. And and I think so many people struggle with opening and, and having their heart open and doing that, especially in connections with loved ones. And so I'd, I'd love for you to talk about some techniques that people can use to better connect. And, and I think you pointed to something I thought was really powerful. You were in a relationship where you started learning that. And to me, I feel like a big part of it is the human connection that we have because that can cre be created. But I'm wondering if you can break down some ideas of how people can openly and honestly connect with their truth with other people. You know, I think it comes down to really uh, being vulnerable and not being scared. And that's a hard thing because you know, most people, when they want to create like some behavior change, there's usually some fear at the core is fear, fear, false evidence appearing real because we've, 
you know, through society, environmental factors. And again, these beliefs, you know, we develop these, these thoughts. And one of them is that, uh, you know, we're afraid of what people think of us, right? If we are vulnerable, if we do open up to, you know, a, a loved one of how we feel. Yet, you know, from my experience, people already know how you feel. You know, we're energetic beating, energetic beings. And from my experience, people know, like loved ones know when something's going on with you because they usually ask, hey, what's wrong with you? And then what do we do? We say, oh, nothing, right? And I think that's what you're getting at, Michael, is like when somebody kind of asks you like what's wrong and then you back away, where does that come from? Like, is it come from some shameful thing? Uh, is it some guilt? Is it just low self-esteem? Is it you're afraid of what people are going to think of you? Do you feel weak because you've watched on TV, like, you know, people being chastised and put down for expressing their feelings? If you were raised in a family that um, didn't have a great communication style and they were aggressive or passive aggressive or passive, right? You will develop those communication skills as well. So then you become fearful. Uh, and I think the only way that you could really try and overcome that is to just walk through your fear and just have to have an honest conversation, find somebody that you can have an honest conversation with. And it may not even be a family member, you know, just because you have a blood relative doesn't mean that they're the most closest person to you. It could be a friend as well. Um, if you can't do that, I would suggest writing your thoughts out, writing them so that way they're not stuck in your brain. Because I know for me, if I have something that's bothering me, when does it usually affect me the most? Right before I go to bed, I'm just like thinking and thinking and thinking. I'm like, oh, God. So then I got to write that down. So, you know, I think that's I think that's the best way that you could actually, you know, really address this is to not be fearful. And, you know, express your feelings, you know, that we're human, we're, we're meant to express our feelings. It's, it's the way that we're wired. And one of the most important things that I've learned in positive psychology, and, and I think what society does is they say that expressing anger and expressing uh, sadness is bad. It's not bad. It's, it's good. Those are good feelings to express. Mm -hmm. So I don't even like to label those feelings as negative. But in society, we, we tend to say, oh, you're acting negative and people will judge you and label you. And you have to, you know, learn that that's not the correct way of, of, of how it is. And you want to surround yourself with people who, who are going to understand that and to give you the support that you need. I, I agree. And, and I think also one of the things that you find and you discover as you step into that is the people who want to push back and, you know, even chastise you about being an emotional human being, they have their own work to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget once I had a conversation with a group of friends and I was sharing something very intimate and vulnerable and important in my life. And you might as well thought I was talking to a wall. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, and I realized in that moment, I was like, Oh, these aren't my people. Yeah. And that's a hard truth because, you know, I think natively to the beginning of your story, like we want people to like us, but, but what you will discover, and this has been my discovery 
is that as you hold your truth and as you step in your power and as you even recognize like that that shift, right? Because you've had that that shift, that rewiring in your brain to go from I'm concerned if people like me to I like me first. And if they don't, that's fine. Yes. That's a process. That's a journey. And you have to give yourself some space, some grace, some compassion, and some empathy to arrive there. And on a long enough timeline, just like the password, it will hold true that you remember who you are. Dan, my friend, this has been an amazing conversation. Before I ask you my last question, where can everyone find you? Well, you go to my website at holisticwellcare.coach, and you could find me on all the social media platforms as well, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, TikTok. So that's where you could find me. Brilliant. And of course, we'll put the links in the show notes for the audience. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? I think it means everything. I think it means, honestly, the first thoughts that come to my mind is that I have the freedom to be my true authentic self and to love myself and to, to not worry and, and to experience greatness and to continue to basically uh, share my story and share my light and hopefully be able to help as many people as I possibly can because I think that's what it's all about. Mm. I literally same. Brilliant, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. We'll be right back to the show, my friend, but I wanted to let you know about our brand new podcast community for Think Unbroken Podcast. I know that for so many trauma survivors like myself, for the longest time, I felt alone, like nobody got it, nobody understood, and that I was just going to have to figure this out on my own. But that's not true. And the reason why we created our brand new Think Unbroken Academy podcast community is so that we can bring all the members of the Unbroken Nation together in a place where we can learn, grow, heal, change, and transform our trauma into triumph. I would love to have you come and be a part of the brand new community. Just check out thinkunbrokenacademy.com or click the link in the podcast description. And I cannot wait to see you there, my friend. Again, just head over to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. And until then, be unbroken. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, 
emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.